Quarter mission baby. All right, everybody. Uh, sorry, we took a little bit longer. Baby. Yeah. Hey, we're back. Back in your life, as the great area Helwani says. Uh, had a little, uh, you know, lateness getting this one out this week. You know, it's been a tough finals week for everybody. Uh, not for you, your home, but uh, me, you know. Uh, but just want to ask you first, uh, first and foremost, uh, welcome to episode two of Combat Club with the Brothers Fox. I'm going to get into some some tough stuff this week, but I want to ask you first, uh, how are you doing, Charlie, back home in Evanston, Illinois for the, the winter break? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying my time with my friends from home. We got a busy break going on, cousin getting married, trips right. to Mexico, which you are participating in for the first time in many years. Yeah. Considering, you know, you were always wrestling. Yeah, it's different for sure. And um, yeah, um, I'm gonna see. You, I'm gonna see you tomorrow. They're they're all coming to the big city. Uh, the big city that's getting shut down again. Uh, all my all my finals got moved to online, and uh, kind of don't know how to feel about the whole thing. I mean, it's obviously a little nice for me that I don't have to be in person on my finals. It's it takes a little pressure out of the system, but uh, also you know a lot of implications for next semester. What's that going to look like? No one really knows. So. Just taking it one minute at a time, I think uh, that's the, that's a good idea. But you know, it's such a tumultuous week. We're about two days late getting out this podcast, but uh, that's got a great card to talk about. Though oh, yeah, I got a great card, I like so much to talk about. But uh, first off, I just want to get into our little reminiscent question of the week. I think we talked about our first fight card that we watched last week. Uh, this week, I want to get into uh, you know maybe you got some stories to tell about the the first time you won a judo, jujitsu, and wrestling tournament. Those three times. Can you can you tell stories of those three times? Um, I can for sure tell you stories of the jujitsu and wrestling. I'm not sure if I ever won a judo tournament though. Oh, I don't know if you did. I don't know if you ever did. I think you only did two judo tournaments. Yeah, for sure. I'll start with the jujitsu tournament. I remember not exactly what age I was at. I'd already been training for a couple years at this point. I was probably around eight, nine years old. Uh, Naga tournament in the city of Chicago. Uh, Pretty sure it was in Hammond, Indiana, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm corrected. Yeah. Um, I won that thing. I remember my uh, finals match was against a girl who's really tough or pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a great tournament. I ended up really enjoying that. Obviously, you, with the Naga, you win a sword. That's always like for the kids, that's like, oh my God, I got a sword. You know? got a katana, man. You feel like a samurai. Yeah. Um, the wrestling tournament, uh, I don't think I ever won any kids club tournaments, but I definitely won a bunch of tournaments freshman year. I believe the first one was uh, a couple weeks into the season. We had a frost off tournament at Mather, maybe. You would probably remember better than me. But, yeah, kids were all kind of scrubs. Just pinned yeah. everybody real quick. It was yeah, fun. that is fun. Uh, I'll say for me, the first jiu-jitsu tournament and actually the first tournament in any combat sport that I ever won was a Naga. I believe I was seven years old. Uh, I went up against a kid. I, his first name was Dylan. I don't know what his last name is. Uh, and I, I fought against him in the gi and the no gi. Uh, I won by a guard pass in the gi, just three to zero. And I actually got taken down in no gi with a headlock. I remember I, I was mounted. I was down by nine. And then I remember I passed his guard, mounted him, took his back, and then went back to mount. I beat him 15 to nine. Incredible first match. But he was the only kid in my bracket. And then the first wrestling tournament I ever won was the Elias George Invitational when I was in sixth grade. Uh, there was only one other kid in my bracket from Waukegan. And uh, I don't remember the kid's name, but I, I, I pinned him real fast. That was the first wrestling tournament I won. I think it was like it's like five or six years into my wrestling career. No, four or five years in my wrestling career. It was the first tournament I won. I was, I was 12, 11. I was 11 or 12. 
And then judo, the first judo tournament I ever won was uh, the Midwest Nationals, which qualified me for the Junior Olympics. So that was the set, the first judo tournament I won was the Midwest Nationals. I pulled both of my opponents very fast. That qualified me for the Junior Olympics, which is my second judo tournament ever. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think we like to throw these little tidbits about our experience because I, I think it, it helps the viewer understand that uh, we're not just two schmucks talking about uh, combat sports. You know, we, we've, we've been through it. It's like been a part of our life for such a long time. And we really do have such a uh, different way of looking at it in terms of our, our experience. So, yeah, I think it's um, Let's hop right into the card, I think. Definitely, definitely. I, uh, you know, I mean, the main event probably wasn't the biggest thing that happened on this card, but I think it uh, it deserves the respect that we should talk about it first. Uh, it's the, uh, in terms of uh, intrigue, in terms of what uh, what happens, uh, uh, you know, in terms of fighters that we loved, I think, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov was one of our favorite fighters for the longest time. And when he left the lightweight division, it really created a problem where nobody knew who the best lightweight in the world was. And I still think we both, at least last week, had an opinion that the best light win in the world would not be competing last Saturday night. And I'm not sure if that's so sure if that's true anymore, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm still riding with my boy Islam. I like that guy, but man, did Oliveira look good. Oliveira looks so good. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree that Oliveira looked good. I think, honestly, for me, though, I have not – my opinion on, you know, the whole Islam Makachev situation has not really changed much. This fight – kind of played out almost, you know, exactly how I saw it playing out in my head. Poirier was ahead on the feet, had Charles in, you know, he really did have him in trouble. See, in here's the, the thing, time. though. I don't I, – I think in the Chandler fight and in the Poirier fight, I don't think Oliveira was in as much trouble as he let on. I think he takes punches and he falls into the guard. Yeah, that's he likes what, to do that. That's what um was a thought, but at the same time, like as soon as he hit the mat, right, he went for that up kick, but – Poye was piecing him up on the feet. I don't sure. think there... you got to talk about the body work of Oliveira as well. Mm-hmm. Setting the tone for later in the fight, setting the tone for those takedowns attempts. I truly believe that Poye was hurt to the body. And then we can talk about the main controversy that occurred in that fight, which was these uh, love huge glove grab. I'm looking at different angles now. It looks like he wasn't grabbing the glove. It looks like his fingers were just hidden and he was grabbing it with two hands. And we know that position very well in an Plata when a, a guy's trying to limp arm out and his hand is just stuck. And that two-hand grip is very tight. To, to you, did it look like a glove grab, like looking back on it now? Um, I've seen a couple different angles, and it's really hard to tell for me. His fingers are clearly hidden somewhere, and I honestly think he probably was grabbing the glove. Yeah, it looked like it to me, but at the same time, you know, you heard Dustin's reaction to it. He was in the moment, didn't use that as an excuse. Yeah. You know, he made that decision to roll out of it when – there's other ways to fight that position. And, you know, it was what it was. Clearly it was the wrong decision. You don't want to jump into totally that. Agree. And, you know, yeah. I, I think that forward roll was not uh, option two there to limping out. I think you should have tried to step over the body or hip switch, uh, do anything else, but roll to your back while Charles Oliveira has you seatbelted. I mean, really just uh, putting it's himself in a poor position. position. And then we saw for the first time in a really long time, I think we saw Dustin Poya show a little bit of fear. Uh, on the ground where he didn't really seem to want to create scrambles or give up his back. And uh, it seemed as though Charles Oliveira creating that fear uh, really won him the contest. I agree. Um, I remember in the commentary, they had also pointed out that after the fight with Khabib, Dustin had gone on air saying that he wished he had just given up the round sometimes instead of, you know, giving up position and eventually getting submitted against Khabib. So maybe that was his thought process there that he would rather – 
give up the ground and stay in guard and take the shots instead of, you know, giving up the submission against a super dangerous guy and Charles Oliveira. But obviously we saw how that ended up going. Charles. Yeah. I I honestly, I, you know, I I remember the commentary talking about that angle. Uh, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Cause we didn't really, we don't, we have never really seen Charles utilize his ground and pound like that. His elbows were nasty. They were nasty. So yeah, man, it's interesting. Uh, Obviously we got a Oliveira versus uh, Gagey next. It's going to be a banger. Uh, and what it's a matchup that stylistically probably is worse for Oliveira. Uh, it's a really early to make a prediction fight's not even close to sign, but, uh, what do you see preliminarily from this fight? This fight is fucking awesome. I mean, <laughs> Justin Gaethje is dang near impossible to take down yeah. and it's not going to be easy for Oliveira to jump on his back and choke him. I see this being, you know, really could go either way. And, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say. Justin Gaethje is always fun to watch. I see him giving Oliveira a big run for his money. I mean, Oliveira gets hit like he does, and it could end up not well for him for sure. So what's crazy is that I'm actually drawing a lot of parallels in the situation to what we saw almost a decade ago with uh, Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler after Robbie Lawler had uh, won the title and defended it against Roy McDonald. Uh, Robbie Lawler was kind of in a position where he was the grizzled vet such as Charles and uh, he had, you know, uh, won the title of a great fight with Johnny Hendricks and then beat Roy McDonald in a fight he wasn't supposed to win. Uh, so, you know, everybody was thinking Roy was the best 170-pounder in the world. And this is kind of the same thing that happened here where, uh, you know, Charles really showed that he, he is that championship level. And then you get a crafty guy, someone who's very dangerous like Carlos Condit was uh, and Justin Gagey fighting up. And it's really going to be about, I think this situation is really about, uh, it's going to show who wants it more. That's really all that can separate them. Because, I mean, you know, it's crazy because it's really even hard to pick. Like, because, you know, Justin could very easily knock him out in the first round. Uh, Charles could very easily submit him. Charles could very easily knock him out. I mean, we've shown really like, and, you know, we got to think about the reach. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm going to have to do a lot more deep digging on the fight as it gets announced and the time progresses. Hopefully we see that fight in uh, April or May. Uh, and then the, the lightweight division starts to come to a path with Islam Makachev, I think. We're going to be very interested in seeing that down the line. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get to the co-main event. Yeah. Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. One of the craziest upsets in the history of the sport. Something One like- of the craziest upsets in sports history. Yeah, nobody was expecting. Amanda looked untouchable for the last seven years, I believe. Nobody could beat her. She knocked out everybody, demolished everybody in her path. And this fight, to me, was almost reminiscent of when Amanda fought Cyborg. Uh, Amanda thought she could get in there, walk her down, and just, just throw without really caring about putting the shots together or thinking about a second round or thinking about a third round. And she just gassed and broke and it was ugly, man. It, it was really ugly. was. It was hard it was to see a man like that. Yeah. It looked like, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful and use uh, the words that some of the MMA media is talking about. Uh, Joe Rogan used the words look like a regional show. I don't really want to use those words when talking about the greatest female athlete, probably one of the greatest female athletes of all time, but it was hard to watch. Um, Juliana uh, from the VFS Academy in Chicago. Uh, we know a lot of guys coming out of there. Uh, you know, shout out Chi-Town. Really, like, you know, I would, I, you know, thinking about it, like, before this fight, I would have loved her to win this fight. would have been cool for Chicago to get a champ. We haven't had a champ in a bit. But, I mean, I don't, I really didn't see it going out, especially after the first round. Uh, Juliana was telling her corner that nothing she was doing was working. 
So I don't know. I mean, I think she just bit down on her mouthpiece. And uh, I think Amanda just got like pissed. She was like, this, 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 this yeah, this chick's been talking so much shit. And I want to get her out of there. I want to show her that no matter how I fight, it doesn't matter. And it does matter. You know, I'm, I, and, you know, rematch is going to happen. I'm going to favor Amanda in the rematch. Uh, you know, unless something crazy happens and Juliana gets a lot better. But I mean, you never know. If that happens once, it can certainly happen again. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rematch. Uh, and I definitely think this stacks up with one of the, uh, the greatest upsets in the history of sports and this sport. For sure. Absolutely. We're going to get more to like that rematch later, I believe. Sure, right. Sure, sure. And, um, all right. Now we can talk our, our way down the card. Uh, let's talk about Kai Car France, uh, my pick, not yours, uh, to win that fight against Cody Garbrandt. Uh, I didn't pick him by first round knockout, that's for sure. But uh, maybe I should have given the way Cody Garbrandt's chin is looking. Uh, I'm going to get to what Cody should do next uh, a little bit further down the line. But uh, what do you think, man? Where do, where do they, these two guys go? Kai obviously looked unbelievable in that fight. I mean, I picked Cody thinking, you know, Cody at this point, legend of the sport, even though he hasn't had a ton of fights or whatnot. Uh, Kai literally just went out there and put the whooping on him. It was not close. He knocked him out like everything, you know, Cody didn't even really land a shot. So all props to Kai. I see him, you know, competing for a title in the next year for sure at that division. And yeah, that's really all I have to say. And about Cody, I think, you know, he's got he's got some uh, work to do. Maybe not at the UFC for very much long. In the UFC for very much longer. I think we're gonna get more into that later. Yeah. Um Cody dropping uh, four of his last five now. Uh, really tough to see for a fan favorite, especially one of our favorite fighters for a long time. Um, yeah, hard to watch. I mean, I've been a Cody fan for a while. Uh, and you know, it's just these same things that keeps happening to him. He gets in these firefights that he can't win. And I, I'd like to see him trying the wrestling, even though I picked Kai, I, I was, I was hoping Cody would at least show a little bit more than he's been showing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they give him one more shot. I think it's really all they can do is just give him one more shot. And, uh, but we'll, we'll get into more of that later. Uh, Sean O'Malley rolling, you know, doing what you predicted him to do. Uh, I picked him to win. I thought Halion's chin would hold up a little bit more, but you know, Sean, I think really proved himself against a real guy this time around. And, uh, I think we're looking for a big fight with Adrian Yanez or someone in the top 10 of Anthem weight next. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking, you know, Sean has everything he kind of needs now to make that title run at this point. He's been building his name against these, you know, kind of lower competitors. And I think it's really time for Dana to challenge him and for Sean to really challenge himself because I think, you know, Sean is kind of in cherry picking who he wants to fight. For sure. He was offered the fights with Dominic Cruz and Frankie Edgar turned them both down for the purposes of, uh, you know, he, he blamed it on date, but he also talks about, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to uh, be in those big fights, I need to be making more money. So props yeah, to him, honestly, but and it's worked very well for him being able to get these first round stoppages and go out and celebrate. And, you know, he's built a great name for himself. So really power to him, but I think he's definitely ready to take that next step. And I would love to see how he does against these guys at, at his weight class. for sure. Yeah. And then your, your guy, Jeff Neal got it done uh, despite a rocky week for him. Kind of like a, one of the slower fights on the main card, but still a good performance. Nonetheless, what'd you make of your guy tonight? Um, I thought he looked good and he looked clean. Um, 
the head, the left head kick was there. The one, two, it just looked like classic Jeff Neal to me. Yeah. I think if maybe if it was a couple more rounds, he could have gotten the stoppage. He never really hurt Santiago that bad. And it for sure was a close fight, but I liked how Jeff looked and I liked how Santiago looked, honestly. Yes, me too. Um, I think Santiago is going to be a player in this division at some point. Uh, I think he's got to return to the stature where he was, where he was beating guys like Neil Magny. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's fights like this that show that he still kind of has a chin with those, the best guys in the weight. Uh, Neil didn't put him out of there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure there was like a lot of doubt after the Yi Jing Liang fight about the future of Santiago and the UFC and in mixed martial arts in general. And I believe he absolutely proved that he belongs in there with the best guys in the division. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to get us some more fights from this card later and possibly some fights to make uh, going forward. Uh, but for now, we can get into these uh, this, this weekend's card, which is, you know, the UFC, they just keep it rolling, man. There's so many good fights. There's always good fights. So uh, we're going to make a prediction from this weekend. We're going to do main card plus one. Last week we did main card plus two, but we're going to reserve main card plus two for these uh, pay-per-view cards. Uh, I think we do main card plus one. So uh, let's jump in uh, to the first, the last the feature bout of the prelims on ESPN plus uh, Dustin Saltzfus uh, contender series alum versus our guy, Gerald Mearshart. So in this fight, I was looking at, some of these, this guy, Dustin's stuff. And it became extremely apparent to me that this guy has never won a fight in the UFC. And he's fighting a grizzled vet in Gerald Mushkart, who has been around the block a million times. And he can hang in there and grind with anybody. So I'm looking for Gerald to get it done by decision or submission. Yeah, uh, you know, Dustin Saltzfus coming off a tough matchup with Adolfo Vieira. Uh, jiu-jitsu world champion, uh, one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in the sport. That guy just got tapped. Like, yeah, he got tapped the fight before that, but his first fight back was uh, Dustin Saltzman. But uh, Gerald Mearshart coming out of the Chicagoland area or Milwaukee. Uh, can't get it done. Gerald Mearshart can't get it done in a jiu-jitsu match against Valco BJJ's John Simon at the Chicago Open. But uh, he does have the most submissions in middleweight history, and uh, it's going to be a, a second-round submission for our boy Gerald tonight. Of course. Uh, going to the main card, a, uh, a fun one for the WEC sure. fans and uh, the, the old school old guys. Uh, yeah. uh, Cub Swanson, who, uh, you know, we had a, a cab driver in uh, Palm Springs. I don't know if you remember this guy. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, passed away several years ago in a car accident. Uh, RIP to that guy. But uh, he's fighting uh, Darren Elkins, who one of the toughest guys in the history of the sport, just truly like a wild man. And that tattoo on his chest is just something else. It's so crazy. Damage. <laughs> uh, who are you? Uh, what are you looking for from this fight? I'm a huge Cub Swanson fan. But with that being said, I think he doesn't have what it takes anymore to put Darren Elkins out of there. And he's going to go through the grinder. And Darren Elkins never quits. I'm looking for Darren Elkins to get the win by decision. Yeah, Swanson's actually a favorite here. Uh, and I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, this is a toughness battle. I think these guys uh, are well past their prime in terms of skill level. Even though Cub has looked good recently, uh, I keep going back and forth on this one. It's such a good fight. Uh, I literally have Cub Swanson written down and then crossed out Darren Elkins. Just I'm going to go Cub Swanson by decision. But I, oh, I can't pick him by decision because I feel like if it goes to decision, it's Elkins' fight. Uh, 
Maybe stopping Darren Elkins. I mean, yeah. All right. Darren Elkins by decision. That's what I'm thinking. Darren Elkins by decision. All right. Now we go to lightweight Carlos Diego Fajera versus Mateus Gamrot. Uh, two lesser known, but real good fighters. Fajera has been in the, uh, Fajera has been in the rankings forever. Top 15, but, uh, you know, it almost seems like he's getting fed to these, uh, you know, up and comers guys who are trying to make a name for themselves just off his name. Uh, who are you picking in this one? Mateo Gamrud, a, a tough up-and-comer. For sure. Mateo Gamrud, if I'm saying that correctly, is absolutely tough up-and-comer with a, you know, great win over Jeremy Stevens recently. But uh, I think this guy, Carlos Diego Fijera, is extremely underrated. And he's somebody that, you know, not, not a lot of guys know. He beat Anthony Pettis. And he fought Benny Dariush to an extremely close split decision. And I think this guy is truly on a different level than, you know, the other guy. And I'm thinking Carlos Fierro gets it done by decision. So uh, I'm going to disagree with you here. Uh, Mateus has looked really good coming up. Uh, I love Carlos. I love the way he fights. He's incredibly tough. Uh, but I feel like he's in a place in his career where the UFC is just trying to, like, boost their guys off him. Like, they boosted Gregor Gillespie off of him. Uh, and, you know, he, he had that close fight with Vanille Dariush, but they have very bad styles for each other, I think. I think it's the grappling heavy. Uh, but Mateus has looked really good. I'm going to go with Mateus Gamrov by submission. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the next one, we got uh, Rafael Sunsau versus Ricky Simo- Simone. 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 Not exactly how sure how we're saying that, Simone. But, Ricky um, Simone. yep. You know, Rafael Sunsau has been on a, a real skid recently. Used to be, you know, ranked very highly in the world. Uh, his contract is looking like it's in danger right now, and I'm thinking Ricky Simone is going to snatch that from him the way he's looked recently, taking Ricky Simone by decision. Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, sucks because Hoffa never got that chance to get a title shot. Uh, you know, he beat TJ Dillashaw, has some crazy wins in his career, uh, but I think it's just past the point where uh, where you can consider Hoffa Ellison's how relevant at uh, men's bantamweight at this time. Uh, Ricky Simone by a dominating, gritty, uh, wrestling-heavy decision. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to a really underrated fight, if you ask me. Absolutely. One of the best up-and-comers in women's MMA right now, Amanda Lemos versus uh, super tough, fast, great fighter Angela Hill. Lemos has looked like an absolute murderer in her last two fights. Yes, uh, Shows great killer instinct, great power for the weight class, and I'm looking for her to get it done by TKO in the second round. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh Lemos is a killer. She's a killer. Yeah. And like we, our, our eyes like flew up when we watched her fight. Mm-hmm. I remember you were, you were texting me about it cause I was in the car and I pulled over and watched the replay and man, does she have power for the weight class? So yeah, I'm going to go with her uh, TKO second round. Yeah. This next one really pains me. <laughs> uh, we got Bilal Muhammad versus Steven Thomas, the wonder boy. Yeah. You know, this guy, Bilal, used to train at our gym in the city. Very, We have, you know, mutual friends with his yeah. trainer. I've rolled with him several times. He's a very good dude. Hilarious. His podcast is awesome. I don't know if you've ever listened to it with uh, with John Annex, identical twin brother. It's very He's a guy who's truly grinded his way up the UFC ranks and never turned down a fight, you know, fought everybody. But I'm looking for Stephen Wonderboy to outclass him in the striking and stuff the takedowns and get it done by decision. 
Hey, uh, you know what I'm about to say. Yeah, I do. Uh, but I just can't pick against him. I can't. I mean, I have to support my guy. Uh, love Bilal. Love what he's doing. And uh, we saw that uh, Wonder Boy's takedown defense is not what it used to be uh, in the Gilbert Burns fight. Obviously, Gilbert Burns on another level. Uh, but I'm just using that as my excuse to pick Bilal Muhammad in an absolute homer pick by decision. Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling we got some different opinions on this next fight, too. We definitely do. Uh, this guy was, you know, the guy who I had picked to win was what this was a guy that you were picking to win in a lot of fights that back in the day, I didn't, you know, see because I didn't think he had the technique or the heart or the takedown defense to compete at the top of heavyweight. But Derek Lewis, man, hits like almost no other. And I think he's going to land that big shot and knock out Chris Dawkins in the second round. So, uh yeah no i disagree with you totally i think chris Dawkins is one of the best up-and-coming heavyweights in the sport um we saw that in his last fight against shamil uh where you know i mean we saw him kind of set traps right and even the commentators didn't see it where he's jabbing and moving to the outside and allowing shamil to come to him and uh we know that derek you know he's gotten a lot better like he's gotten a lot better at staying back being patient uh waiting for the guy to come to him and land the counter he's very calm uh but it's different when you're waiting for a guy to be aggressive versus when the guy's setting traps and thinking you can strike with him. Uh, Derek Lewis has been known to let his power go uh, when he has the opportunity. And I think Chris Dawkins has some of the best technical boxing we've seen in this division. Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Dawkins via flat knockout in the third round. Fair enough. Yep. All right. We're going to get into some uh, mixed martial arts news of the week now. Uh, we're going to start off with, uh, the biggest headline from today, actually. Uh, oh, can I bring up one more thing? You know who we didn't talk about? Sure. Go ahead. Dominic Cruz in a great performance. Yeah. And, uh, showing a lot of heart in a great win. I think, you know, Dominic Cruz is t- one of the toughest fighters maybe in the history of the UFC. I mean, we showed that against Cody, but we really saw it on a different level against Pedro dude is really hurt in the first round got hit with some big shots and he just kept being Dominic Cruz you know I almost freaked out because I talked so much on this podcast about how this was an easy fight for Dominic and for 14 minutes and 28 seconds it was a very easy fight for Dominic Cruz because he controlled the distance he used his really weird movement Pedro didn't really land any significant shots Except for in those 30 seconds where I was like, oh, no, I really made a mistake. I thought it was over, dude. Yeah, it looked over. And Dominic, he said himself, he got knocked out. He doesn't remember those that little period of time. He remembers bouncing off the cage, and then he was on top. So he presumed he got a takedown and continued to work. So, okay. uh, yeah, but it's cool to see Dominic Cruz coming back up. Uh, love to see him in a fight with Chito Vera coming up. I think that'd be a, a great matchup for the division. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what should, what should go down. All right, now we can get into some uh, MMA news of the week. Uh, starting with the biggest headline from today, uh, John Jones, uh, you know, my pick for the best heavyweight in the world, but certainly no stranger to these uh, controversies uh, today, pled guilty uh, in exchange for his other charges being pleaded down. He pled guilty to uh, destruction of property, uh, a misdemeanor where he'll pay a $750 fine and uh, have to take anger management courses. Uh, I mean, we know what that means. We know what it is, but Let's start off with this. Did you really expect this to go any other way? No. I mean, John Jones would be in jail right now if he was going to be in jail. Dude has done so much messed up stuff, and they just want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the guy's one of the best fighters in the world, and I'm sure the UFC is happy with the way it played out, and 
I guess in this situation, I want to say like everybody wins because, you know, I want to like John, I want to like John and I wish him the best. And I hope that he can get his stuff together, but also at the same time, like he's going to need to learn eventually. And I can see you shaking your head. And when no, I, I agree. everybody wins and who knows how we're going to have to do that. Cause if it, you know, if these anger management classes or whatever he's taking don't go out, he's going to end up in jail. And that's just going to be a sad story. Yeah. I mean, people like this, uh, sociopaths who don't really have any remorse for their actions, don't understand the consequences of their actions uh, and take every effort to blame their actions on everything but them. Uh, it's hard to watch. Very difficult. Um you know, it's a very scary, scary situation when you hear the call from the officer uh, or call to the officer made by uh, the security at the casino. Uh, you know, John Jones, very scary individual. And uh, yeah, man, I, I hope everything's OK. I, I hope he does well. You know, I, I hope everything he says is true and nothing happened. But yeah, I, I just I, I really hope that it's all good. I hope that he's uh, his family's OK. I agree. All right, we can move on to a big fight announcement at middleweight, uh, Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. You can make an early prediction or just kind of talk about what you see from this fight. Yeah, Sean Strickland for sure has been on a tear recently. Been looking great. Actually getting a lot of recognition in the media too. More recently, a lot of people are starting to know who this guy is. And then you got Jack Hermanson, great grappler, but not necessarily the most well-rounded fighter. And I think that Sean Strickland has got all the tools in the bag to get a win here and you know, continue to build his name. And I could see this guy being a true star in the UFC one day if he could pull it all together. I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, Sean Strickland, the psychopath, the murderer guy, yeah. he's like very, very strange. Uh, I don't know if you saw him at uh, Chael Sonnen's submission underground. Yeah, where he like, turned his back. He turned to around and waved his yeah. hands to the audience, and the guy jumped on his back and choked him out, <laughs> which was just a truly hilarious moment. Chael was crying, laughing in the corner. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Sean has all the tools to win this fight. He's shown that he's, his uh, method of striking with volume has been really good. I think this is a great matchup for the UFC to make. I want to see how he does with the grappling heavy attack of Hermanson. Uh, but yeah, I like Sean in this fight for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, now we're going to get into uh, a recent move that the UFC made uh, to move uh, Derek Brunson versus Jared Cannonier to the uh, UFC 271 event. So it could be on the same card as Adesanya versus uh, Whitaker. And uh, what does this tell you about what they think about this fight? Um, Whitaker for sure has been, you know, pulled out of some fights in the past. I, I think Adesanya has obviously done a really great job of pulling through but yeah it's just a replacement fight you know if one of these guys gets injured they want to uh you know have one of the top guys in the division be able to step up and this guy is i believe what the number three and number four ranked guys in the division right now so i see both of these fighters i mean even though Derek brunson had fought adesanya in the past i see and you know whitaker had fought uh cannoneer and brunson I see all these being competitive fights you know Absolutely. and i think all of them are Great fights to make. I like the move by the UFC for sure. So do you think that this means that uh, bar none, this Brunson versus Cannonier fight is a number one contenders fight at middleweight? Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I would have to pull up other, you know, some. 
for just make just make it just make a thought. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be like. A, what do you think? Do you think this fight is the number one contenders fight? Yeah, I mean, Derek Brunson has been on an absolute tear. He's a uh, one of those guys who's revitalizing his old career, like we talked about last week. And these are for sure two of the top guys in the division. And you know, they both show that they can be everybody else. So I would say it is a number one contenders fight. Yeah, I think that it's that that means that it's definitely a number one contenders fight. We talk a lot, or the media talks a lot about uh, timelines matching up so to speak. And, uh, you know, whoever gets a win in either fight, they'll be on the exact same timeline, hopefully for recovery and to get back out there later in the year. Uh, we know Bobby is uh, notorious for kind of being slow with getting back to the Octagon. So, uh, uh, and also, you know, where they're having the little disputes without assigning on social media. So I think, I think it's a good idea that they move this fight to the same card and uh, they're talking about it. Now we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about welterweight, but I don't even think there's nothing, anything, there's actually nothing to talk about. That's why we're talking about it. What's going on, man? Where are these fight announcements? This guy said a week. What's going on? You know, all these tweets, all this chit-chat, Hamza calling out everybody. Hamza everybody. calling out Brock Lesnar. Yeah, everybody <laughs> not wanting to fight him. It's honestly sad, and I think it's a big, big opportunity that the UFC is missing out on if they don't, you know, create this fight between Leon and Hamza. Yeah, and I think, you know, it still could happen. I don't know exactly how many days we have until the card, but I think Hamza's ready. I think Leon's ready. Why not fucking make it happen? So yeah. I think Dana needs to get on his shit is what I make think. Make the fight. I think you just got to make the fight. Um, I know that uh, Neil Magny is raising his hand. I don't want to see it. I have no desire. I have no desire to see my boy Neil get messed up like that, to be honest. So. I mean, I don't think Hamza really has any desire either. No, no doubts that Hamza would fight him, I think. But Hamza has much bigger things to do than fight Neil Magny, I think. Even with, I with all due respect to Neil Magny, you know, Hamza wants one of the, t- the top five guys in the division. Yeah, totally agree. All right, uh, moving on to another big story with the UFC. Uh, it's totally making a flip-flop now and uh, moving to sign Kayla Harrison. Uh, PFL and Bellator just continuing to just not even, like, not even factor. Like, the UFC does what they want. They made that apparent. Um, but now with Amanda losing, uh, what do you see with the UFC making moves on Kayla Harrison? Do you think they'll still move to sign her? I would love to see Kayla Harrison in the UFC. I think, you know, it's obviously the premier fight league in the world. And I think the best fighters in the world belong in the UFC. And I think that the UFC should do everything in their power that they can to sign Kayla Harrison because I believe Amanda will get it done in the rematch and continue her reign, first of all. Yeah. And, yeah, I just think, you know, Kayla Harrison is one of the best fighters in the world, and she has every right to be fighting in the UFC, just like the rest of the best women's fighters in the world. Absolutely. And – uh you know, there's one of two ways this goes, right? Uh, Amanda wins, and then it's sort of like what you saw when uh, Anthony Joshua got the win in his revenge uh, over Andy Ruiz. All of a sudden, that Tyson Fury fight looks good again. Like, everyone's excited to see it. Mm-hmm. He lost to Usyk, so whatever. But uh, and Usyk's talking about fighting Canelo, which is just crazy to me. But Because <laughs> Usyk's like a small heavyweight, so he's yeah. like, oh, I'll go to 190 and I'll fight Canelo. Canelo's coming up from one th- – I'll talk about that later anyway. But – uh yeah, uh, it, it's sort of like that. And then if Amanda doesn't win in the rematch, uh, you know, you see the UFC did it with Demetrius Johnson at 125. They did it with Ronda Rousey at 135. You get this opportunity to build, uh, rebuild the division, basically start over around a premier champion, which uh, Kayla Harrison will be. 
and uh, she'll, you know, reign as champion and she'll, you know, maybe lose eventually, but, you know, she, she'll occupy time for the UFC to build the division back up uh, if Amanda's done. So. For sure. All right. Uh, we're going to get into talking about the Eagle FC now. One of the biggest stories of the week. Uh, what do you make of this whole thing with Khabib? Um, I'm happy for the guy. I love the idea. He's trying to do his own thing. I think currently with the point that we are in the combat sports world, it's going to take a long time for him to build up, you know, enough steam to ever compete with the UFC in any promotion at this point, it's going to take them, you know, a long time and a lot of big acquisitions and big stories for them to be able to compete with the UFC. But if he keeps trying, who's saying that, you know, Khabib's a huge name and I know in other countries, you know, people love him too. So who's to say he's not going to be able to make money and, enjoy so uh, first of all like every promoter tends to make money from the fight game even the smaller shows they make a little bit of money uh but i like this for a couple reasons uh he built up his fan base in russia first so he already has the russian following coming over to the u.s uh he's already getting coverage on espn like bellator doesn't make a coverage on espn you know it's uh really big for them uh to get khabib to have uh you know a platform to talk about his organization I also like what they're doing with the introduction of uh, 165 and 175 as the bridge gap. Uh, the introduction of this sort of super super welterweight platform. Uh, I think it's much needed. I think that uh, that gap from uh, 55 to 70 is a big gap. Uh, and even though it's the way the sport's been structured for a while, I think it's uh, good for some parity. I think it, it'll be nice to see how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing. What do you think about those new weight classes, about the, the 65, 165? I think it likely has a lot to do with the fact that Habib had a lot of trouble making 155. Absolutely. And he wants to see his fighters be able to enjoy those middleweight classes, but I'm all for it. You know, a long time ago, there was this discussion in the UFC about making new weight classes, 160 and, you know, 175 yeah. or whatever. And I was always for that too, because weight cut, cutting weight, it sucks. I mean, yeah. I wish everybody would just fight at their natural weight, but obviously that yeah. can't. And I wonder if they were that they would ever have the discussion of bridging the gap between 205 and heavyweight. That would be an interesting discussion too. But uh, 230 yeah. or 225. Yeah, 230, uh, it's a discussion for a different time though. All right, now we move on to the uh, my one of my favorites uh, favorite topics of the week. Uh, Is he Charlie Fix shit? Uh, we've each picked two divisions this week, and uh, we're gonna talk about them. Give them our give our true top five in each of the weights, and then we're gonna uh, offer some fights that we should make for these divisions. So. Uh, we we'll get started off with 125 pounds and uh, Charles Lawrence Fox's number five pick in the weight. My number five pick at this weight, absolute monster. Got it done this weekend. Uh, been looking awesome. Kai Car France. Uh, I think he has every skill to compete with all the guys at this weight class. I just think he needs to get maybe one more win before he can really shoot up those rankings. Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think Kaikar France is uh, made for this number five spot. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I love his performance this weekend. Loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four for you, sir. Number four, we got a guy, um, extremely well-rounded fighter. He's had, you know, his fault. All these guys at the top, he's got it done against some of them. He's dropped a few to some of these top guys, but Alexander Pantoja is coming in my number four pick. All the way at four. Yeah. Really? Okay. 
I'm going to go with Oscar Oskarov as my number four pick. Uh, Oscar Oskarov, uh, he's missed weight in his last opportunity against Joseph Benavides. Uh, so hard to put a lot of steam behind a guy who can't really make the weight class. Um, but he's looked good. His wrestling's been great. Uh, I, I want to see him get that. Uh, well, I, I'll talk about it in a moment. But one of my fights to make at this weight is uh, Oscar Oskarov versus Kai Carfrance, uh to put a, in line a future title contender. Your number three pick, sir. My number three pick is your guy who you had at number four. Uh, dude, I believe has an undefeated record in the UFC. He has like the one, one no contest or something. But he has, you know, a, he has a draw against the champ. Yeah, and uh, that brings a lot with coming with that. You know that O brings a lot of hype, and it's going to make a lot of people want to watch this guy fight and compete against these guys at the weight class. But I think the next two guys are on a different level. So number three, Oscar Oscarov. So number three for me, uh, going to make you mad for sure. Uh, but uh, again, I talk about making the weight and uh, it appears that this guy is too big for the weight. Now uh, we haven't really seen him uh, been able to shrink his body successfully to get down to the weight class. Uh, I've been hearing reports that he walks around as high as 164 outside of fight camp uh, and to lose, you know, a quarter of your body weight is just ridiculous. I think he needs to go up to 35. Davison Figueredo, consensus uh, uh, fighter of the year in 2020. Uh, but yeah, I think I think he needs to increase his size and uh, make that jump to 30, 35. So that means you're putting the current champion, Brendan Moreno, as number one? Nope. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> your, number, got... your number two pick is? My number two pick is Davison Figueredo. Dude hits like a truck. Great jujitsu, all around great martial artist. I'm extremely excited to see how this next fight plays out, considering how the first the first two played out. You know, is super. The first two played out super unpredictable. You know, nobody would have thought that that second fight would have gone the way it did with how the first fight did. And I'm assuming the third fight is going to be a completely different fight where we see something completely else happen. But number two, Davison Figueroa. So you got number one, the champion Brandon Moreno. Yep. For me, uh, you kind of see like these top three guys that I have here. Uh, my number one being Alexander Pantoja. My number two being Brandon Moreno. Uh, the way these top three guys shake out is uh, Figueredo obviously has beaten Pantoja in one fight. Uh, and Moreno has the only decisive win over Figueredo. But uh, Pantoja has two wins over Moreno. Two not very close fights. Not close at all. So if, if you look at it like that, uh, that's the most decisive result, in my opinion, out of those three guys. Uh, even though I love Brandon Moreno and I'm going to root for him in every fight I see him in, for sure. Uh, I believe right now Pantoja is the most deserving of a number one ranking at this weight. Uh, but he's got to get the big fights first. Mm -hmm. okay, so you want to mention a couple the... fights? Oh, yeah. Uh, 125. Uh, I got one, one that I thought was – you know, really important considering that Kai just came off a big wick win this weekend. I was thinking, why not match him up with somebody? And I thought that, you know, Alexander Pantojo is the guy to make it happen. I think Askar Askarov has every right to wait for a title shot considering, you know, he hasn't lost. And Bro, he second. missed weight in his last fight and he beat Joseph Benavidez who retired. Okay, but... <laughs> so... <laughs> But, like, didn't he beat Pantoja? Did he not? Does he have one over Pantoja? Yeah, he does. 
Okay. His decision went over Pantoja. So I think that gives him every right to wait for a title shot. And I think Kai versus Pantoja is a great matchup. Yeah. I mean, I can see where you're coming from there. This weight is really pretty crazy, (laughs) huh? It's a crazy weight class. Pretty open. Yeah. Not a lot of super either so i went with askarov versus kai i think that's a great fight i think the winner of that will deserve a title shot sucks because it's a really bad style matchup for kai with the wrestling but uh but Pit, uh uh askarov's gotta make weight i mean he's really big for 25 uh, i picked pantoja to take the winner of marino and figueredo uh i think he has every right to wait considering he has two wins over the sitting champ uh especially if moreno wins if moreno wins then that's his fight if figueredo wins figueredo's beaten pantoja so it's you know, interesting at least. But then I, I have another fight uh, here, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of unfortunate for a guy that we've loved uh, for such a long time. Uh, but you know what the UFC does? They're a marketing machine and they use uh, their powers to make money off people. And uh, I think with possibly the last fight on his contract, Cody Garbrandt uh, is going to have to be the sacrificial lamb for Manel Kopp, uh coming up from uh, number 13 is a really, really tough, sick up and coming fighter. And, uh, you know, Cody wins, shows that he's still got something, right? Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, – it's unfortunate, but that's that's the direction that I'd imagine them going, them booking Cody with a young up-and-comer like that to try to make a little more money off his name before he uh, departs to the Bellators and the PFLs and the Eagle FCs of the world. For sure. All right, we can move on to 145 now. Coming in at number five at 145 – we got a little bit of a hot take here. Maybe not so much considering this guy's performances recently, but he's looked like an absolute world beater. Um, one of my favorite fighters to watch in the division. Great kickboxer, world-class Giga Chikadze. Ooh, very good pick. Uh, my number five, I went a little more classic, but maybe someone that uh, maybe would be considered a little closer to the top. Uh, I went with a you know guy who we just saw in a title fight. Great jiu-jitsu, great striking, uh, Brian Ortega. Okay. Number four pick. I was uh, extremely troubled about this, but I have coming in at number four, the guy who just saw the title fight, (laughs) like you said. Uh, I just think he's probably going to have to work his way back up a little bit. And, you know, this is an extremely deep weight class. Absolutely. And, He's going to have to do some work to get back to the top, Brian Ortega. Yeah. Um, number four, my pick here is a very hot take. Uh, hasn't proved that much yet. but I think I know who this is. Has that O, like you said. Uh, Brit, a Brit, someone uh, who's coming out of England, uh, Arnold Allen, has just looked awesome in every single fight. He hasn't made a mistake yet. And uh, I think we're looking to see him get booked against a, uh, you know, in a really big fight coming up here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, coming in at number three, got awesome fighter, just put up, you know, one of the best performances I've yet to see against a guy who is, you know, in my opinion, best fighter at this weight class. Sorry for the spoilers, but <laughs> um, extremely fun fighter to watch. Has grown a lot since, you know, we saw him get beat up by Frankie Edgar. I believe he truly has grown a lot. Yeah, you're a dude. You got to fix that. <laughs> uh i agree with you calling me i have yeah yeah rodriguez in my number three spot uh and charlie's really popular so he gets a lot of phone calls 
Um, all right, your number two spot. You already mentioned that you had uh, Max Holloway as your number one, so you go with uh, the current champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. And I would like to mention a uh, honorable mention. Uh, not to say, you know, I'll p- actually put him at number six of this weight class. Not your guy, Arnold Allen, but Bryce Mitchell has looked absolutely untouchable. And, you know, we're seeing this, this just because I love the guy, we're seeing this yeah. new grappling thing kind of take over the UFC. And this dude has taken everybody down and beating the living shit out of them. So I'm going to put Arnold Allen in as my honorable man. You mean Bryce Mitchell? Yeah, Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> Arnold, Arnold Allen on the mind. So I actually went with Alexander Volkanovsky as my, uh, my number one pick. Uh, the current champion, Max Holloway, is my number two. I think these guys, however they shake out, are 1A and 1B. Uh, every time I watch them fight, I think they're the best 145 pounder in the world. Uh, and I actually, every time I watch either of them fight, I think they're the best 145 pounder of all time. So, I mean, I just can't, they have to make this third fight. That's uh, that's actually the first fight to make that I have. They just have to make it. They don't really have any other choices. They have to make this fight. Yep. Okay. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. You got any other ones? Oh, oh, some uh, fight matchups. This is yeah, at, 45. at 45. Yeah, I got some. Um, I would love to see Yaya Rodriguez fight Brian Ortega. I think that would be, you know, fireworks. A wild fight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, these guys are in two of the best fighters in the division, are yet to are yet to fight. They've, you know, there's nobody stylistically like Yaya Rodriguez. I think it's a great challenge for both fighters, especially for a year to show the grappling a little bit more. And I just think it would also sell very well and everybody would be interested. So, yeah, it's a great one. And then also, I would love to see Bryce Mitchell fight Chan Sung Jung, just because I think Bryce Mitchell is ready to take a, a stab at one of these good fighters and prove, you know, that he can be well-rounded and win, win high-level fights. Charlie, you don't do your research, bro. Is Brian Mitchell, does he have a fight schedule? Yeah, so he's scheduled to fight Edson oh. Barbosa at the beginning of the year, which is a sick fight. My fault. Uh, I think the winner of that fight should fight Brian Ortega. Uh, I think that's a, uh, a great fight to make. I, I think Brian needs to take a step back, not go into the fire of someone like Gary Rodriguez right away. I think when we see these guys fight for the title, I think they're two, three fights removed from another title shot. The first fight back is, is got to be with someone like, uh, you know, a Bryce Mitchell or Nelson Barbosa, one of these guys who's up and coming and uh, deserves to be in that spot. So I put that there. I also, uh, I would love to see uh, Yair Rodriguez versus Arnold Allen book. I think that's the perfect test for Arnold Allen and uh, it gives Yair a chance to showcase his skills. Uh, some other fights I want to mention. I think it's a perfect opportunity to rebook Dan Ige versus Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall looked great this weekend. Dan Ige took a tough loss. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it really, uh, they're in basically the same place that they were before. And then uh, a bit of a, uh, an interesting one, uh, Josh Emmett, who's coming off a win this weekend. I'd love to see him in a fight against newly minted featherweight Dan Hooker. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to see if, uh, if Dan Hooker can deal with the wrestling at this weight class and uh, see if he can restart his career down at this weight. For sure. Any thoughts? Uh, Dan Hooker's an awesome fighter. I'd love to see him fight any of these guys. I think he's ready for a top five five fight right away. So, yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, now we move on to 170 pounds. Uh, I'll be going first here since you've gone first the first couple of them. Uh, for my number five pick, uh, not so much a hot take anymore. It would have been a couple weeks ago. But uh, this guy's looking like a killer, an absolute beast. This, one of the strongest human beings in the weight. Uh, Sean Brady as my number five pick. Like the pick. Uh, I'm going in with number five, a guy who's 
you know, maybe I would have ranked a little bit higher before his last performance, but this guy's been hard for the UFC to deal with. Leon Edwards, number five. Fair enough. Uh, my number four pick, a uh, guy who we just saw in a title fight, uh, and this is going to get a lot of hate because everyone thinks that he's 1B to the champ. I don't think he's really shown that, to be honest. I don't think that he's really, you know, competed with it because it's not just 1A and 1B. It's a matchup thing. They're very similar fighters, him and Usman. Like his volume, like Colby Covington's output and Usman's output and their wrestling, that's why the matchup is good. But we have yet to see Colby with some of these newly minted contenders at 170, which is why I'm putting him in my fourth spot. You know, you're reading my mind here. <laughs> uh, and I'm, you know, I essentially have the same reasoning. Uh, Kobe, you know, we've seen him fight Usman these last two times, and he's competed very well. But like I said, a lot of these guys he has yet to fight. And I see stylistically there being some problems for him. So number four, Kobe Covington. My number three pick is uh, someone who I just like as a human being. Uh uh, I like his style of fighting. He's super explosive. Don't know how this dude ever made 155 pounds. Uh, great jujitsu, great power in the hands. I'm going to go Gilbert Burns, my number three spot. With my number three spot, I'm coming in with a little bit of a surprising one, even though this guy's ranked super low. I know you're going to have him ranked higher. I just think he's still got some things to prove, uh, especially against these top-level guys who have you know, extremely well-rounded striking and jiu-jitsu and wrestling games that have showed they can put everything together. Hamzat Shemaev at number three. Yeah, uh, I see where you're going with that. Uh, I like Hamzat Shemaev in my two spot. Uh, just because until someone tests the guy, I'm not going to pick anyone against him besides the current champion, Kamara Usman, who I have in my one spot. Uh, this dude just looks like a straight killer. Looks like he can demolish anyone. And uh, until he takes a punch, he's that guy. So that means leaving Kamaru Usman, the most popular fighter in the UFC. Absolutely. Number one. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I have a lot of consistency with that. Usman is uh, the most well-rounded fighter in the UFC right now. His boxing has tr improved tremendously. His wrestling has always been world-class. So I have him coming in at number one. And then the guy who really almost did stop him, and a lot of people do look past that still, Gilbert Burns is extremely dangerous in all facets of the game. Great power and some of the best jiu-jitsu we've ever seen in the sports. And his wrestling looked amazing against Wonderboy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely great. So uh, some fights to make for this weight. Uh, you, got, you got any ideas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys at the top, you know, I like, you know, we were talking about Hamzat versus Leon Edwards a lot. And so I'm definitely looking forward to that one, if that ever happens. Also, I think it would be a, for sure a missed opportunity if the UFC didn't book Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal, just because of the amount of press we've already seen, like with these guys clearly not liking each other and they can both sell a fight. And a lot of people know who these guys are now, so I think it would be for sure a missed opportunity if the UFC doesn't book this fight. And I also think Colby needs to take a step back and, you know, test himself against some of these lower-ranked guys because he hasn't in the past. Also, uh, I would love to see Vincente Luque fight Gilbert Burns. I think that fight would be absolute fireworks. So I would love that too, but that fight's never going to happen. They're like best friends, and they've made it clear that they're not going to fight each other uh, for those of us who do research. Um, but I'm <laughs> just joking, just joking. All jokes here, folks. But um, so yeah, I mean, I would obviously they, they offer them that fight, they turned it down uh because they're best friends, they don't want to fight each other. 
Uh, so with that in mind, uh, you know, I, we've talked about seeing this Hamza Chamaya versus uh, Leon Edwards fight. I think that's important. Uh, and then I think we have a plethora of options of what to do with uh, Leon Edwards and Vincente Luque and Gilbert Burns. Uh, Dustin Poirier is coming up to the weight. Uh, he said he may never make 55 again. Uh, and if they don't book that fight against uh, Nate Diaz, I think a fight with Vincente Luque is a, a great way to welcome him to the division. Vincente Luque is a killer finisher. He's one of those guys. And I think, honestly, like, you know, if Leon doesn't get a title fight, he'll take this fight probably. He'll take the Poirier fight. Why not? Uh, and then also uh, Sean Brady versus Colby Covington. I think that's a, a no-brainer. I thought, I thought that Kiesa versus Brady fight was a feed-in for Covington. Uh, because those guys are, you know, I think they were 6 and 11 at the time. And uh, I think that's the, the perfect comeback fight for Colby and the perfect opportunity for Sean Brady to prove if he's really one of the top guys in the world. Okay. Now moving on to 85. You could take this one first if you want, or I could. So my number five pick is a guy who we just recently watched look really good uh, up at 205, actually, uh, against a monster like a Frankenstein. Uh, but yeah, a guy who's got really improved wrestling, really tough. I'm going to go with Marvin Vittori in my five spot. You're reading my mind, dude. Uh, <laughs> I also have Marvin Vittori at number five, even though he's ranked a little bit higher than that. I just think um, a lot of these guys are more mature and have honed their skills more and really shown more you know, technical prowess and finishing ability in the UFC. Absolutely. Uh, you're number four? My number four pick. Got a, my number four, my apologies. Yeah, my sure. number four. Uh, no, we might have different lists. We'll see. I'm going to go with uh, Sean Strickland in my number four spot. Uh, he's been really active and shown that uh, his his volume is insane. You have to kill him to get him out of there. Sean Strickland in my four spot. My number four spot is being filled with a, a guy that I actually took a long time to think about this. But at the same time, you have to get over those losses he had earlier in his career. This guy is a, a new fighter. Uh, with a completely different game plan that he used to come in with before. Derek Brunson's looked tremendous, and I have him at my number four spot. Yeah, I'm actually going to take Blonde Brunson in my number three spot. Uh, Blonde Brunson specifically, not the old iteration. But, uh, yeah, man, he's uh, he's looked incredible. Uh, the wrestling's looked amazing. He showed real toughness in the Darren Till fight after getting hurt. Uh, and I'm definitely picking him against Jared Cannonier next month and uh, looking forward to seeing him. Get a title fight. This would be crazy. I mean, who would have ever thought? Wait. Okay. So, who is your uh, number? You're on number three now. Yeah. Number three pick. Yep. Okay. So, my number three pick is going to be Jerry Cannonier. Dude, uh, you know. Uh, wow. Okay. I mean, obviously. No, you're just picking uh, Deep Brunson. I didn't expect that. Yeah. This guy fought all the way at heavyweight. Um, still carries a lot of that power with him. Almost got it done against Robert Whitaker in the last couple of minutes. As, dang as dangerous as any striker in this division. Yeah, I love watching him fight. I think he's a great fighter. Yeah, uh, my one-two here is somewhat obvious. Uh, Adesanya Whitaker. Uh, I know that Charlie's had some thoughts that he's poss possibly picking Whitaker. I don't know if he's goes as so far as to say that he's the number one middleweight in the world, though. Would you? Um. It's hard for me. I gave a lot of thought to this, and I did end up having to put Adesanya at the number one because, you know, he really did kill what occurred in the first fight. But I think we'll get to um, my predictions for that fight at a later date. 
but yeah, Adesanya number one, Robert Whitaker number two as the UFC yep. to have it. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you got any fights to make here at middleweight? Yeah, I got a fun one with two guys that I think, you know, maybe been on a little bit of a skid, but could sell a lot of pay-per-views and talk a lot of crap. Darren Till versus Paulo Costa, something that I really like. Just, I think it would be a very fun fight, very intriguing. And I also think it would be a great fight, you know, good stand-up war. And Marvin Vittori, um, also I can see him fighting either the loser if uh, – he could fight Rob if Rob loses sure. or a lot of people have been talking about Luke Rockhold making a comeback. And I would love to see Luke Rockhold fight Marvin Vittori. And I think um, a lot of people would overlook Luke in that fight. For, for sure. sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like both those fights except for uh, Paul Costa's not being allowed by the UFC to go back to 85. So we probably won't see him at 85 against Till. Okay. And I know the UFC now is moving to book Uriah Hall versus Darren Till. I think that's a great fight, technical striking matchup. I think it's the right fight for Till now uh, to see him bounce back and uh, grow their audience in the UK. I also have a, a hot one here because Vittori, you know, he's so close to the top. And I, they probably won't make this fight, but he really doesn't have anything to do. And he doesn't want to wait. He's been around and, you know, he, he can fight. Like, he's good to go. Uh, and we saw this guy take a huge win this weekend and has pretty much looked unstoppable in the UFC thus far. Uh, he's now 13th ranked in the world, Andre Muniz, uh, who's just got those crazy arm bars from everywhere. And just like uh, Eric Anders, who's great, looked like he wasn't even on the same planet in terms of grappling. Mm -hmm. So uh, that'd be a fun one. I think uh, it'd be interesting to see how Marvin could grapple with that guy. Uh, Marvin Vittori versus Andre Muniz be my fight to make at a uh, middleweight. Okay, moving on to our top five. <laughs> we Top five of the week. Uh, this week we went with uh, the biggest feeling upsets. Now we have, there's been the biggest statistical upsets in the history of the sport, uh, but the biggest feeling upsets is different. Like what, what feels the biggest? So uh, I got some, some takes here just for me personally, but uh, I think my number one is one that you're going to overlook. And I think that it's, it's actually the biggest feeling upset ever. So without further ado, I'll, I'll let you start. Uh, coming in at number five. I got maybe not one of the biggest statistical upsets of all time, but this guy, just like kind of all the other fighters on this weight class, had looked unstoppable to this point. This is the biggest star the UFC has ever seen. It was the first time he was losing. Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, number five. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to start off with my honorable mention pick, uh, the biggest statistical upset in the history of the UFC, Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. Uh, it didn't feel that big to me personally. Just you, you, you start to see journalistic people as early as a few years before Holly Holm debuts in the UFC when they're talking about, oh, Holly Holm's making the jump to MMA. Holly Holm, the great boxing champion, is coming coming for Ronda Rousey. So, I mean, it's almost as though this was planned. And, you know, she was being brought up as a contender. She wasn't being brought up to win. But uh, I think, you know, it's not as big of an upset for me. My number five pick is uh, not a UFC fight, but uh, one that really launched the uh, stardom of one of our favorite fighters uh, and my favorite fighter ever and your favorite fighter ever, uh, Daniel Cormier over Bigfoot Silva in the semifinals of the uh, Strikeforce Heavyweight Grand Prix. To do it with the hands when he had probably like a three-foot height disadvantage <laughs> to Bigfoot Silva, uh, you know, truly, uh, truly an amazing, uh, amazing upset, and I was real happy. Your number four pick. My number four pick um, is one of the biggest statistical upsets of all time, for sure. 
this guy, you know, coming off the ultimate fighter, people didn't even know who this guy was. And he, you know, he was looked at as not really even this great striker, more of a jujitsu fighter. And he went out there and he knocked out, you know, one of the top pound pound fighters in the world, Matt Sarah versus George St. Pierre. Yeah. I actually put that in my number four slot as well. Uh, I almost put it at number three, but uh, you know, Sarah had fought BJ Penn to a decision. Uh, he had looked okay at lightweight and I mean, nobody was picking him to win this fight. That's for sure. But uh, yeah. All right. Uh, your number three pick. My number three pick is uh, the same as your honorable mention. It was awesome to see Ronda get her head kicked for sure. <laughs> and it was really funny to see her pout and cry and walk out of there. So happy for Holly Holm. Great person, great fighter. Number three, Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. So number three, I actually went with what we saw this past weekend, uh, Juliana Pena over Amanda Nunes. Uh, a big feeling upset for sure. But, you know, if you look at it, it played out pretty much exactly how Juliana said it was going to play out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I went, I put that in my three spot just because I think these other two upsets really just take the cake. Yeah. Number two for me, I got Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. Nobody expected this. Amanda you know, I looked through so many Instagram, like, what are your predictions for this fight? And everybody's just Amanda by knockout, Amanda by knockout, Amanda by knockout. People are betting, you know, hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars. 308, that guy yeah. lost $318,000. And you believe that? Yeah, that's horrible. I feel so bad. <laughs> that. Like, I hope it was a billionaire. I hope it was someone who had the money to throw around. Yeah, so number what is this number two? Yeah. Got Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. Yeah. And uh, I just want to shout out to, to uh, one better who uh, was talked about on the Ariel Hawani show, who uh, bet a, uh, a parlay of seven fights. It was a hundred thousand to one and he missed it because Juliana Pena didn't submit or didn't knock out Amanda Nunes. He submitted her. It was going to turn $25 into like a million dollars. Jesus Christ. I know. Or, you know 25 into, yeah, it was two, 25 into 275,000 or something like that. I mean, okay. so my number two pick uh, at the time, this fighter was uh, being regarded as the best fighter in the history of ever. Okay. Uh, so. And uh, yeah, I mean, nobody really gave the other guy a chance in this fight uh, and it did happen in the UFC, but uh, I'm going with Fabrice over doom over Fedor Emelianenko by trying alarm bar. Uh, truly one of the biggest upsets in sports history. For sure. Especially with Fedor being undefeated. Yeah. He's on a 26 fight run. Yeah, my number one pick, drum roll please, is uh, another guy who was looked at as the greatest of his era, best middleweight of all time, Anderson Silva, getting knocked out by Chris Weidman. Um, nobody really thought any – I mean, Weidman was undefeated at the time, I believe, but everybody just thought Anderson was going to go in there and piece him up. And I believe Anderson thought he was going to go in there and piece him up, and that's why he ended up getting caught, so – I was shocked when that happened. The world was shocked when that happened. And I was extremely surprised. That is my number one upset of all time, feeling-wise. Hmm. Yeah. No, I can I can see that. Um, my number one upset of all time. No, uh, it didn't. <laughs> my number one upset is uh, – Actually, like the craziest upset ever. It's uh, Charles Crazy Horse Bennett over Lil Nog in Pride. Uh, I mean, nobody really knows about that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Charles was like a 35 to 1 underdog, and he came out and landed one punch and knocked him out. So, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, 
people don't really uh, talk about that one ever. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Bennett has fought as low as 170. So he was just a wild, like pride, pride, pride loved them some freak shows, right? Like they put on some crazy fights. So mm-hmm. uh, now we're going to get into some talk about combat sports uh, outside of mixed martial arts. Uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one here. Uh, but really something that's impacting me personally uh, is the Cornell shutdown. Uh, New York University Athletics was shut down the day after uh, the college wrestling season suspended. Uh doesn't affect me anymore because I'm not on the team, but it certainly affects a lot of people that I'm close to. Uh, and uh, do, do you think that COVID is once again going to uh, greatly impact the college wrestling landscape? And what does this mean for uh, Cornell stars like uh, Yanni Diakmahalis and Vito Arugia? Obviously, you know, I can only feel sympathy for these guys. They've worked so hard. And, you know, Vito – I don't even think he's ever gotten a chance to like wrestle at a national tournament, has he? Yeah, he took a fifth as a freshman. But, you know, it's, that's been, what, like two or three years since then? And this is a guy who can truly compete with anybody in the world, as we've seen through his freestyle matches. And Yanni, too, it really just sucks for these guys that, you know, Cornell is shutting him down. And I really hope that COVID doesn't you – know, I think, honestly, I think they'll find a way to work through it because, you know, the rest of the world is uh, – the rest of the world is carrying on. Why can't the college wrestling world carry on? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really even know how to put this. Uh, I kind of just didn't think we'd be back here, really. Uh, sucks to see that uh, the hard work of all these kids is getting knocked out. Um, and I know administration's got to consider the negative impacts of the coronavirus. Uh, but it's... I don't know. At this point, it, it almost seems like uh, they're doing it to be the right side of history more so than anything, and just to take an abundance of caution. And uh, I'm all for being safe. I'm all for masks, all for vaccines, all for everything. But uh, just seeing seeing these uh, these kids and their uh, their dreams getting kind of dashed up by these mandates is uh, it hurts for sure. It definitely hurts. All right, so. Talking so, about college wrestling. Oh, you're, you're, sorry, you're saying? Oh, I was just saying these kids have worked so hard. You know, I've watched so many interviews with Yanni about him talking, working in his garage when he was a child and his dad. And it just really sucks to see all that, you know, get stopped and they can't control it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going into uh, more college wrestling. Logan Massa, who wasn't on Michigan's roster for a really long time, now back and uh, wrestled an open one and open this past weekend. With him, uh, Michigan is looking like they have a 10 All-American lineup, especially with Ragson's performance at 133 at CKLB. Uh, they are looking like serious contenders. They picked up Nick Suriano, and if they're going to do it, this is the year they're going to do it. Uh, what do you think about Michigan's title chances? Yeah, I think it's great. You know, Iowa is definitely in there, too, with a bunch of great competitors. But if they can, you know, you're talking about 10 All-Americans, if they can pull that out of the bag, I think they have a very great chance. And, you know, they have Nick Soriano for sure can contend for a national title. Maybe not Ragson so much, but uh, Massa can definitely contend for a national Yeah, and they, got, they have Michich coming back at 141. Yeah, he uh, can definitely contend for a national Kanan title. Kanan Store at 49, who's been better, but could be good. Uh, Will Luan at 57, who's looked great. Oh, my God. Cam Amin at 65, who's looked great. Uh, 74, Massa's coming back. Uh, 84. Great is Cam Amin in? What? He's a sophomore. Cam Amin, he's a sophomore. It's like yeah. Miles' uh, 
Miles' younger cousin. And Miles Amin coming back down to 184 after spending a year 197, who's an Olympic bronze medalist, by the way. <laughs> He's making his return to college wrestling. Uh, 97, uh, they picked up Pat Brucky, the swollest man alive. And uh, 285, they got Mason Paris. So, I mean, really a great lineup for those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma matchup. Oklahoma State kind of beat him up. And then you see uh, Josh Heinzelman kind of smack A.J. Ferrari, and then Ferrari hit him with a blast double. What do you think of this guy, Ferrari, man? We, we can talk about him a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time you know, on him, but I would say, obviously, he's a great wrestler. And he is – I almost don't want to give him the power to say that he is good for college wrestling. But – I think he is good for college wrestling. He's bringing eyes of a lot of young fans. He's huge on social media. I don't even know how, though. He's so, such a cornball. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy is the real deal. I mean, obviously won the Nationals last year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see how he matches up against, you know, the top guys of the weight class this year. Yeah. Uh, I definitely favor him at this point. But, uh, yeah, man, guys looking to break the record for most emojis in Instagram history. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> anyway, um, so we can talk about two uh, transitioning into uh, Gi Worlds for Jiu-Jitsu. I guarantee you did not pay attention to any of this, but I, I covered it a little bit. So uh, talking about Nicholas Marigali uh, in the World Ultra Heavy Black Belt Semis, uh, he's winning the match. He's up four advantages to two advantages against Victor Hugo, who ends up winning the weight class. The match is over. Nicholas's hand gets raised. But in the last 30 seconds, he was penalized for holding his middle finger to the crowd. Uh, and so after a moment of talking, the IBJJF brings him back out on the mat and they raise the other guy's hand saying he was DQ'd for unsportsmanlike conduct. Oh, boy, that's what do you think about that? Um, I just don't think that that should be grounds for a disqualification. I mean, this is grappling. This is not about who's pointing at who after the match or whatnot. And obviously, I like, you know, to show sportsmanship. We're all martial artists, competitors. You're supposed to respect your opponent, go out there, give it your all, and let it go after the match. But I just don't think it's grounds for disqualification, honestly. Yeah, I think if it came down to one point and then the penalty point, I agree with that. But, I mean, Nicholas had built himself a sizable lead, and uh, this doesn't even make sense to me that we're, we're doing this with, with combat sports in this day and age. Uh, Ty and Cade Rotolo in the uh, brown belt uh, finals at lightweight, instead of closing out their identical twins, instead of closing out the weight and both getting gold medals, they opted to fight with Ty winning. Uh, what do you think of the practice of closing out in jujitsu? And would you like to see more people fight? I mean, these guys are scrappers and they want to put it on the line. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a ton about this whole <laughs> closing out ordeal. So closing out just means when two guys from the same team get to the finals, they both get gold. Um, they don't fight. Yeah. I actually did hear about this earlier this week. I think it should be up to the fighters. I don't like that the coaches are are, tell, are telling their fighters that, you know, oh, this guy won last year, so we're going to let the other guy win this year. I think, you know, if one guy wants to forfeit and say, give it to my teammate, okay, but leave it up to the competitors. They're the ones that – you know, are trying to test their their fighting skills. So True. if they want to fight, they should be allowed to fight. I don't think any coach should be allowed to tell their 
fighters not to compete when they want to compete. Absolutely. And one short note, uh, we saw Felipe Pena make his return, Preguica make his return this weekend. And uh, we have some trouble over there. Oh, yeah. I thought um, somebody was calling my name. We're oh, good. Anyway, uh, Preguica uh, coming back, uh, the last man to beat Gordon Ryan. He's done it twice. Uh, came back and won the Black Belt uh, Black Belt Worlds at Gi. Uh, obviously, it's a Gi competition, but uh, he's been hesitant to take a rematch with Gordon in the past. Do you think this is a match we could see down the line, especially if he's the last man to beat him? I mean, yeah, for sure. Gordon you know, doesn't really have much else to do than fight guys who have beat him already. He's beaten everybody else. So his next uh, Gordon's next scheduled appearance will be at ADCC in 2022 later in the year. Uh, he'll be taking on Andre Galvao in the super fight, the most anticipated match in grappling history, as well as competing in the 99 plus division. So he'll be doing the super fight and competing in the division, which is the first time anyone's ever done that. So huge for Gordon, huge for grappling. Uh, all right, we can get into the Q&A now uh, talking about, uh, you know, some questions that we received. Uh, we didn't necessarily uh, name check our questions, but, uh, you know, I know that I had questions submitted from uh, – Devin Patterson and Max Morton, a couple of guys. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, we can start off with the first question. Is Kaikara France ready for a title shot? I believe we touched on this earlier, but we can make it clear. Yeah, I think Kaikara France is not quite ready for a title shot. I think he definitely competes with all those guys in the division. And he's one fight away. He's on the rise. I don't think he'll be getting matched up with somebody ranked lower than him anytime soon. Absolutely. I totally agree. And you know, we talked about this fight with Askar Askarov or Pandoja, and I think that next step for him, let uh, Moreno and Figueredo play out, and then we can assess where Kai is at. Absolutely, and I think him talking about staying ready in case someone gets hurt next month is a great idea. Uh, I think he should do that. But, uh, yeah, I think we totally – we addressed this earlier. I think that, uh, you know, jumping into that uh, that number one contender's bout with, with an Askarov or a Pantoja is a, is a, a good move for him next. Next, coming in with the next question, a little bit of a weird one. Um, maybe could be taken in a couple different ways, a couple different answers. Who are the best unconventional fighters we see today? Yeah, this is a question coming from my roommate, uh, Dylan Call, uh, who's talking about, you know, fighters that we kind of see adhering to the conventions of mixed martial arts. We see a lot of people, you know, executing cage control and working the wrestling, but uh, there are guys who have particular styles. And uh, two fighters I wanted to highlight for this uh, question are uh, Yuri Prohaska, and Ryan Hall, guys who we kind of don't really see following the normal conventions of MMA. Uh, we see Yuri with his wild style of striking, looking to get hit, bouncing off, throwing spinning back elbows, and lots of crazy punches from weird angles. Uh, and Ryan Hall, uh, his whole game is to work to his back, you know, to work for the legs uh, and for trapping guys. So, yeah, those, those would be my, my, my two picture unconventional fighters that we see in the game today. Um, for me... I may have a, a little bit of an interesting one. I did also pick Ryan Hall. But I also picked this guy who's coming up fighting this weekend, Derek Lewis. He's not, <laughs> you know, someone you're right. You're right. For sure. You not conventionally see him as an athlete. He's shown, you know, if you take him down, you can beat him. And But he finds a way to get it done. He finds a way to stay at the top of the division. He's a great boxer, and he's extremely unconventional in a mixed martial arts sense, for sure. Yeah, I love uh, Derek Lewis's stand-up technique to just stand up. It's the best, yeah. best stand-up technique ever. <laughs> so uh, what went wrong for uh, Mike Brown this weekend? He had uh, the top two billings of Amanda Nunes and Dustin Poirier. Both were favorites and both took losses. Um, 
well, I cannot speak specifically to the coaching. I don't know what goes on in that room. I just think his fighters, you know, didn't have the right game plan and were outclassed this week. I mean, Dustin Poirier, especially, you know, being outclassed. But Amanda Nunes, I think if he is, you know, a great coach, they will go back to the gym. And I think it's an easy fix for Nunes. And so I think more of even we're going to see how Mike Brown's coaching is when Amanda Nunes fights again next. Because those – yeah, those adjustments that you have to make for rematches sometimes show the most about coaching and about the fighter. I totally agree. Uh, I think Mike Brown was a little too overconfident in his coaching for Dustin. He thought that Charles Oliveira had only one way to win. We saw that in the uh, the countdown uh, where I actually think Charles had multiple ways to win and Dustin really only had one way to win and that was with his hands. I uh, couldn't see Dustin really submitting Charles or knocking him out with kicks. Uh, he had to win with the hands. And, uh, yeah, I, I just honestly think it was a gut check moment for uh, ATT this weekend. But uh, they'll be back. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. Should Juliana Pena go up to 145? I mean, we're going to touch on this. I don't think she really has the option to do that right now. Yeah. She's going to have to fight Amanda 135 again. And I think we can revisit this question after that rematch. Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, I think if she convincingly beats Nunez again, then obviously the fight for her to make fight to make with her is, uh, you know, you talk about, she talked about dropping to 25 to fight Valentina Shevchenko. I think that's what she should do after her next fight, no matter how it goes. Uh, I think that if she, uh, if she thinks she can make 25, uh, I think after the rematch with Nunez, uh, if she wins, she gets the opportunity to go for double champ status. Uh, if she lose, then, uh, you know, she can challenge for the belt in that weight class off the strength of a big win. Uh, but then, you know, hey, if she wins and, you know, you get the opportunity to go up to 45 and, you know, you can start to build that division with Kayla Harrison, I'm obviously going to hugely favor Kayla Harrison in that fight. But, uh, yeah, cool. Uh, what's your ne- ideal next step for Dustin Poirier? This is a hard one, man. Um, I love Dustin. I love everything he stands for. But I don't see a lot, you know, a lot of positives going on in the future of Dustin Poirier's career, honestly. I think there's some fights to be made. Maybe an Islam Makachev could be fun and could be the next step for Islam. Islam but is other than that, you know, I see Dustin Poirier's career being over pretty soon, honestly. There's something to be said for maybe him signing with Eagle FC. I don't yeah. know how I was thinking so about that, you know. But I want to remind everyone that uh, Islam Makachev is booked to fight Benil Dariush, but uh, obviously. Right. My fault. But it's all right. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like the idea. They're talking like him and Nate Diaz are verbally agreed now all of a sudden. So, uh, and I think the, the move up to 170 is really good for him. I think he should go to 170. Uh, he's always been a big 55. He was a humongous 45. Uh, why not? I mean, you know, why not? Just do it. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, or Eagle FC. Yeah, Eagle FC would be great. 165 would be perfect. Why not? Yeah. I think he beat the shit out of Kevin Lee. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think that's. Yeah, you'd be a champ, definitely. Uh, all right, yeah, next question. Next question. Is Sean O'Malley a future champion? This one's a great question. Uh, yeah, it's a great Super question. Super interesting one, but I'm not really sure how, uh, if I have the knowledge to answer this yet. Sean O'Malley has for sure looked like a world beater, mentally undefeated. But he's at a tough weight class, man. And there's a lot of guys here that I think – he has yet to fight a fighter anything like, you know, any of these top five, six, seven guys. And so I'm not really sure if 
he, I'm not really sure if I can answer the question at the very moment. Yeah, uh, I'm going to answer the question uh, by saying I'm not ready to say that he is going to be a future champ until we see him fight this kind of competition. I uh, like watching Sean. He's also shown that he's got good grappling when he submitted Takanori Gomi uh, in that uh, jiu-jitsu event. But yeah, I uh, can't say that I do see him as a future champ as of yet. I think after the next fight that he has, come we'll back. Him, yeah, come back to us. We might have a more understanding of where he stands. Absolutely. Uh, would you favor Amanda Nunes in the rematch? I think we've talked a lot about this. I think absolutely that Amanda is the more skilled fighter with better tools, better jujitsu, better wrestling, better striking. But she just didn't have the game plan going in there. And I think if they can make some small adjustments, Amanda will get it done. Yeah. Dominant fashion, by the way. I absolutely agree. I, I think, you know, everybody, everybody has bad nights. Uh, I think she got in her own head. I think it was the perfect storm of things going right for Juliana Pena. And uh, yeah, I definitely am going to favor Amanda Nunes in the rematch. And I'm going to probably bet on her because the odds are going to be nice, I'm sure. Uh, or at least nicer than they were before. Uh, and uh, is Terrence Crawford the number one pound for pound boxer? That's our last question. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's the clear number two at the moment. Uh, I think Canelo is the number one pound for pound boxer, uh, especially going up to cruiserweight. You know, we've seen Canelo fight in the 140s. Now he's going to go up to 190. I mean, that would just be crazy if Usyk, the heavyweight champion of the world, came down and fought Canelo. I mean, could you imagine, like, like no. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it also just, never going to happen. I mean, Usyk's talking about it, but who knows? Um, Those things never happen in boxing. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm going to say number two for Bud Crawford, even though he looked great in his last fight. Yeah, I agree completely. Canelo Alvarez, the clear-cut number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. That's all I got. Yeah. All right, now we're going to move on to our bets of the week for this uh, week's UFC Vegas card, uh, uh, headlined by Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins. Uh, we got two units. Last week I won real big. I was up uh, almost two full units. Uh, our man, Mr. Fox, over there managed to break even with his two picks, but I have a feeling he came back uh, with a little more heat this week. So what do we got over there? Okay, we got a couple bets here. We got three this week instead of two last week. First of all, going 0.5 units on Derek Lewis by knockout. I think it's a great bet. Um, out there? Um, I do not believe they had it on the DraftKings spread that we were looking at they because they were only yeah, doing round by round. Yep. But yep. We can figure that out. I also have. I believe, I believe it's something like plus 200. I also have uh, one unit on. I had half a unit on the Derek Lewis one. Yes. I didn't make it clear. One that. unit on Lemos by TKO. Yep. No round there either. I think that's, you know, a great value pick. Also, Lemos has been looking like an absolute world killer. I stopped both of her opponents yeah. in the first. Both her that, last was a, that was a decently sized favorite. around. Or, yeah, a decent under, maybe like around plus 200, I believe, off the top okay. of my head. I'll check that later. And my last bet is going to 0.5 units on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson by decision. Yep. Uh, I think that's a good pick. That's uh pretty favored, I think. I think it's like something like minus 300, but it's a safe bet. Uh, so I actually have six picks this week with my two units. I pretty much spread them out. Uh, and I'm going to start off with uh, two picks on the same fight. Uh, Jordan Levitt uh, on the prelims. Uh, I don't even actually remember the name of the guy who he's fighting. But uh, we saw Jordan Levitt coming up through the uh, contender series. And... Uh, you know, he's looked like a crazy man. He's, his nickname is the Monkey King. Do you know what I'm talking about? And uh, he won his last fight uh, via KO with a slam. Uh, where he, 
put the, his forearm on the guy's neck and basically threw him down and KO'd him like that. Uh, so I'm going to sprinkle a quarter of a unit each here, uh, a quarter unit on Jordan Levitt to win, which is minus 120. And uh, they had crazy odds for Jordan Levitt by knockout, minus nine or plus 900 on Jordan Levitt by knockout, even though he won his last fight by knockout. Uh, so plus 900 on uh, Jordan Levitt to win by knockout, TKO or DQ, uh, one-fourth of a unit. Uh, Ricky Simone to win by decision is plus 120 uh, instead of just taking him to win, which would be a, a, a favorite bet. So I'm going to go half a unit on Ricky Simone to win by decision. Uh, and I went with uh, one of our more favorite picks. Uh, we were talking about this a lot earlier in the show. Uh, Darren Elkins inside the distance is currently sitting around plus 400 plus 425. I'm going to throw a quarter of a unit on, uh, on Darren Elkins. Uh, and then also we talked about this Gerald Mishart, uh going to get the win by submission. Uh, I'm going to throw a half a unit on that. We've seen this guy go 0 and 2 in the UFC. One of his losses by submission. I think it's clear cut and it's a plus 130. It's good value. And uh, I don't think it's going to go out like this, but it's good value. Um, we've seen this happen in Derek Lewis fights where guys don't want to press him and they stay on the outside. So I'm going to go Lewis versus Dawkins to go the distance at plus 300 with a quarter unit. I don't expect this to hit, but I think if it does, it'll be good value. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's potential here. So as of right now, I'm up uh, 1.87 units. Uh, Charlie is broke even. So we'll see how this thing plays out throughout the week. All right. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning for watching. in. Uh, tuning out from the uh, dirtiest home studio in New York City and Charles coming from Evanston, Illinois. See you guys next week. Yeah, Thanks got a great fight. Hard to watch. Absolutely. Go Derek Lewis. Oh man. Done, baby. Oh, okay. he... Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah.